welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you'd like to access helpful growth step resources. Join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you've learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. That was incredible. Louis Capaldi sings Someone You Loved, a song about a profound and deep sense of loss. Loss is something I think we can all relate to because we've lost something in our life, right? It, it might not be the, the death of a loved one. It might not be the loss of a romance, but we've lost something. You know, they, they created their first original uh, music video for this song with a UK charity called uh, Live Life, Give Life. And this charity is all about helping promote the benefits of organ donation when you die. And the, the whole music video was about a, a man who loved this wife immensely, but she had a, a health problem and that led to her eventual demise. And before she died, she decided to donate her heart to someone else. Well, the, as the music video goes on, you see Peter Capaldi, a relative of Louis Capaldi, acting out the, the widower in this story. He loses his wife, but then he comes to find out who the heart was donated to. And he goes over to their house. And the, and the woman, this young mother with her family, is sitting there in the living room. And, and she shows him the, the cut on her chest and where his wife's heart is now beating. And, and the whole theme of the music video is that now the, the wife that he loved, her life in a sense is still living on through this other person. And her family is allowed to have her longer because the one woman gave her life. Well, in August 2019, uh, Louis Capaldi and his team re-released a new music video. And the same song, but now a, a different twist on the same story. And they use the same lyrics to convey a different and important point. And, and that's about a man who loved a woman deeply. And they were in a romance. We don't know if they're married or dating, how long they've been together. But, but he loved her, and he loved being loved by her. But then at some point along the way, they drifted apart, and, and she dismissed him, and she left him. And now he's left hurting having lost someone that he loved, and, and he loved being loved by her. But in both, both of these music videos, the story of these lyrics is so powerful because it talks about something that we can all relate to, and that's loss. And the reason probably why this song is a, is a chart climber, not only because it's amazing musically, is because it speaks to an issue that all of us wrestle with. In fact, there's probably a lot in the room right now, if not most people, who would say, yeah, there's some area in my life where I'm having to struggle with loss. And again, it's not, it's not just the, the big losses that are the ones that can surprise us and hurt us. There's certainly the loss of people we love, but there's sometimes friendships that, that we lose because someone moves away. They get a job transfer. They, they move out of our life. It might be that there's a child in our life that we love so much, but then they grow so fast and then they move out of the house or they go off to college and they're not close geographically anymore. And there, there's a loss that's felt there. It might be the loss of a dream, an aspiration, something that our hearts were so excited about, but then it dissolved and we, we lost that dream that we were so anticipating. It might be the loss of our identity as seasons change, the, the loss of understanding of who we really are and, and what people think about us. It, it might be the loss of, of productivity. You know, when you retire, missing that, oh, that thrill of, of waking up every day and having a set purpose and showing up somewhere where you're needed. It might be the loss of health. As time goes on and, and every morning you wake up and you're reminded of that, that, that knee reminds you or that back reminds you that, that things aren't what they once were. It might just be the loss of, of past season that you loved. Man, I wish things, I wish we could go back to a, a better season in life. 
Yeah, I think all these forms of loss, they, they have a, a common feeling. And, and you may remember that feeling at a loss in time when you were in school and maybe you had a big paper that was due at the end of the semester and, and you were working so hard on it for days or maybe weeks and, and then you finally pulled that all-nighter just to finish it up and get it done. And, and when you submitted it, that was going to be graduation. That was the end of not only a class but a season of your life. And you worked so hard all night, but somehow in the haste, you, you goof something up on your computer or your computer messed up and you, you lost the entire project. That ever happened to you? you? You remember that? All the work just gone. There's nothing you could do to get it back. It's just gone. And that, that sense of, man, there's, there's been so much put into this thing in my life or this relationship, and now it's just gone. I can't get it back. We all know what that feels like. We know that experience. And, and loss, it... It touches all of us, and you hear it in the lyrics of that song from Lewis Capaldi. He says, you're not here to get me through it all. I let my guard down, and then you pulled the rug. I was getting kind of used to being someone you loved. Now, I miss it. I miss the way things were. I miss who I used to be and who you used to be and how it worked together. There's, there's in this song, I think, a heart cry that so many people can relate to. Like, I, I, I miss something. I've lost something. And loss is common to all of us, but here's what's not common. Here's what's rare. Learning to navigate loss as well. And because you will experience more losses in your life, thanks, Brandon, for the encouragement. I'm glad I came today. It's going to get worse. Well, here's the thing. You're going to experience loss in life. But until you learn to navigate loss, you're going to live in defeat. But if you want more victory in your life, you've got to learn how to navigate through losses. So if we can learn how better to, to get through and overcome the losses in our life, then we can walk in greater victory. And I put it this way in your teaching notes. Maybe you want to write this down. Maybe this will help someone you love. To gain more victory, get better at losses. That's where we're going today. We're, we're going to talk about getting better at losses. Getting better at working through the pain in our life. You know, Jesus Christ is first and foremost our Savior. He's our Savior from our sins. That's why he came. But he also came as a model for us. A model that, by the way, none of us, just to take the pressure off, none of us will ever achieve a perfection in modeling after Christ. And the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. So none of us will fully be able to walk in Jesus' steps as we're commanded to do. We won't be able to do that. But he models some things for us to show us how we should live and to aspire to how we should live. And, and in John chapter 11, Jesus shows us how to handle loss. And there's a lot that we can learn through his story in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was a, a good friend of Jesus. Lazarus was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus had history with this family. They go back. They were close. They had some experiences. There's even some of that written in scripture about their, their experiences together. And now they're they're sending Jesus a note, the one who they know is a healer. They know a lot about Jesus. They know he can heal people. And so this is not just an update. Here's how things are coming. This is a plead for help. Jesus, you care about this family, so please come. Lazarus is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You know, someone that Jesus loved was going through something that maybe someone in your life that you love is going through, the loss of something. I'm sure you have somebody in your life that's just lost something or they're going through loss and it's difficult to be in that seat of watching someone you care about going through loss. And it's tremendously painful if you're the one in the seat that loses something. And here there's a family that Jesus cares about immensely. He's spent some time with them and and now one of the family members that Jesus knows and loves well has lost his health. He's, he's sick and he's dying, and they're reaching out for help. What, what I find fascinating about this is down in verse 4 that we just read, if I could read it again. When Jesus heard this about Lazarus' loss of health, it says, 
He says, this sickness will not end in death. But what's interesting is that it does actually end in death. We're going to read on in the story, and Lazarus actually dies. He says, it's not going to end in death. Notice, for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. So there's, there's purpose in this pain. It's not going to end in death. But it does end in death. It does end in death. So what's up with that? Because Lazarus is a big part of this story is that he actually, he actually dies. Well, Jesus comes along and he brings him back to life. And so then we can say, well, okay, that's what Jesus was talking about. But then eventually Lazarus would go on to die again. From all that we know, he wasn't given a free pass to where when his life was done, he just floated up into heaven. He, he, he died. He was resurrected and then he died again. <laughs> so he died twice. So he, it did end in death. And so part of what Jesus may be saying here is that, that the death is not the end. It's not the last chapter. The loss is not the, the end of the story. And, and when I go through loss, sometimes I get so close to it, I look up against it, and I, I think, well, this is the end. And we might even use phrases like that, like this is over, this is the end. But the problem is the closer you are to pain, the closer you are to loss, sometimes the further away you can be from seeing God's bigger picture, from seeing God's bigger story and what he wants to accomplish. Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things, everybody say all things. All things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So even in my greatest losses, even in my biggest pain, God is still at work in my life. And I need to know that, that he's not given up on me. Because don't you, if we're honest, don't you sometimes feel like, you know what, I think, I think God must be really busy in heaven. <laughs> I, I think he must have forgotten about me. Because my story's not going how I thought it should go, and, and this doesn't make sense, and I've lost something, or I've lost someone, and so God, like maybe you just don't, maybe, maybe, maybe you've just forgotten about me. Maybe I've just messed up too much, and you've just like left me alone to suffer, and maybe God doesn't care. It's, it's an honest, it's an, it's an honest uh, confession. But it's not the case. See, Jesus was aware of the pain that this family was going through. And it says in Romans 8, 28, that in all things, even in my losses, God is working good in my life. He wants to work out his good plan. He's, he's at work in my life. He's got good for, for me in my future. He's got good things that are coming. In fact, his best is, is still yet to come. And I have eternity to look forward to in him where there's no more pain. There's no more loss. There's no more death. So in all things, God's working for the good. The problem, though, is that sometimes I can get so close to the pain, I can get so close to the problems that I forget that God is at work. Let me give you an example, a story that you know about but you don't know you know about. The TikTok Easy Shop. I know you're like, what's the TikTok Easy Shop? In 2002, in the Washington metro area, McDonald's helped fund these little uh, automated convenience kiosks. And they were selling sandwiches and milk and bread and you could walk up and you could get your groceries from this little machine. And they had four of them that they experimented on. The idea was that if these things really take off, it's, it's hard to drop a supermarket into a community. But you can drop one of these little convenience grocery stores all over the block and it would be a big thing. And, and then they simultaneously started an automated machine where you could rent videos from as well. And so they had 11 of those, four of the, the grocery store convenience kiosks. Um, but about a year or so later, McDonald's eventually got out of it and sold their part out of it. But, but it never really took off. The, the convenience uh, kiosk, uh, grocery store, it failed. Failed bad. They just, they just cut it. But the videos were really taken off. These 11 kiosks where you can run videos, people were really like using them and they thought, okay, this could work. So they, they, they rebranded it and they took off with that theme. And now, now it, it started to grow wildly. And in fact, it didn't, uh, it didn't become famous for what they started it for, the TikTok Easy Shop. It, it became famous for something that you are familiar with and there's, they're on just about every corner, it seems like now, and that's Redbox. And Redbox just started to explode, and they started to surpass all their expectations. And so the guys who were founding this, they got the idea, well, let's sell it. Let's make a lot of money. And so they tried to sell it to Blockbuster. They tried to sell it to Netflix, but they wouldn't buy it. And so they, they were attempting something again, but they failed, and Blockbuster wouldn't buy them out. You all remember Blockbuster? You remember, like, having to go into the movie store and, you know, walk down the aisle and look for the new releases and get the, you know, back in the day, VHS tapes off the shelf. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're like, I don't even know. I just always stream my stuff. But, but back in the day, I mean, Blockbuster was the place to be on a Friday night. It was packed out, and people were grabbing their tapes and heading home for a, a night to relax and watch a new release. But Blockbuster, although they wouldn't buy Redbox, 
they started to lose in, in popularity. Brick-and-mortar stores of all video stores, family video, Blockbuster, all these places, they started to decline. Stores started closing, and Redbox just kept taking off, and they're, they're dropping these kiosks in, in, in grocery stores all over the country. And, and in 2007, they passed Blockbuster's uh, rentals. So they, they started uh, renting more than Blockbuster, the company that wouldn't even buy them. And, and they passed the 100 million rentals mark in 2008, in, in 2010, they passed 1 billion total rentals. It's crazy. So what was a, a failure, you know, we're going to sell out the Blockbuster, later became something that far exceeded what they thought was a failure. But then a really interesting story underneath all this is there's a guy named Mitch Lowe. Mitch Lowe joined Redbox in 2003 after spending five years in executive leadership at Netflix. And he came over and eventually became the COO of Redbox and eventually the president of Redbox. But this guy, Mitch, back in 1982, so over 20 years before he moved over and joined Redbox, check this out, over 20 years before that, he had a dream. He's like, what if we could take these little VHS tapes and what if we could, what if we could put these kiosks up and people could rent VHS tapes from these machines? And everyone's like, that's crazy, man. No way. No one's ever going to do that. He's like, no, it'll work. And he tried it. He experimented. It was very short-lived, and it failed. And, and he called it Video Droid. <laughs> it was a Video Droid, like this machine that you come get videos from. And everyone's like, that's weird. That's never, ever going to work. That's a horrible idea. So he went on with his career, eventually went to Netflix. And then this Redbox company actually does it, and they're exploding, and they hire him. And he ends up running this company. And at its peak in 2013, they were renting 772 million videos per year from these kiosks all around their country, almost a billion of them. Someone said, that'll never work. That's going to be a failure. And, 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 he, and he tried it, and it didn't work. It actually did fail. So first of all, they tried something, the grocery kiosk, it failed. They tried to sell out to Blockbuster, it failed, but then Blockbuster failed, and they took off. And then this guy who 20 years prior had an idea that failed eventually got to run it and lead it on a bigger scale than he could have ever imagined. And I just thought it was an interesting story. Like sometimes you see things in culture and it brings you back to scripture and think, man, you know what? I think this is kind of what God is saying that sometimes we're so focused in on what we've lost that we miss the bigger picture. That sometimes in my life I can be so focused in on the pain that I forget that there's a bigger purpose. And if I could step back, if I had God's lens and I could, I could view all of time, which I can't, but, but he can. If I could view all past and present and future, I would see that God actually is at work even in my losses. That God actually has a bigger story, and I might be saying something in my life that's bad, that's a loss, that's terrible, but what if God's wanting to bring something good out of it? What if in the long term, as I look back, I'll see this great purpose that God's unfolding? Now, I may never see it in my life, but I can know that God is at work. So sometimes I need to take a step back because I can get so close to the pain, so close to the loss that I can't see the bigger picture. I can't see what, what God is actually wanting to do. You know, the devil, the devil makes comprehensive statements just like God does. Because in Romans 8, 28 that we just read, it says, in all things. That's a comprehensive statement, right? That, that includes everything. That's, that's totality, everything. Like, in all things, my losses, my victories, God's always working out this good plan. He's a masterful artist. But the devil does the same thing. He makes comprehensive statements, and he, he tries to plant them in your mind. He tries to get you to think these comprehensive negative statements and, and it should be a warning to you that whenever you hear these in your own head, that you need to seek out help. So in this song, you might have heard Louis Capaldi wrote one of them. He said, I'm going under, and this time I feel there's no one to save me. I feel like there's no one to save me. That's a comprehensive negative statement. You might hear people, you might have heard in your own head before, I'll never recover from this. Nobody gets me. I can't get through this. Everybody will think this of me now. And whenever we hear those things in our head, it should be a warning that, man, the devil is lying to me. He's trying to tell me I'm defeated. You'll never get beyond this. No, wait a second. That's not what God said. Like, things are actually going to be better on the other end. It doesn't mean this life is, is not going to be miserable and difficult. It can be. Jesus actually promised us. He said, hey, by the way, you're going to have problems. I guarantee you. you. This life, you will have problems. But, but in the end, we win. In the end, there's victory. So when the devil tells me you have no victory, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, it's never going to get better. That's a lie from hell. 
And I can know that. And so whenever I hear these comprehensive, like, nobody, everybody, it's just, I, I, need, I need to seek out help. Because I, I've been kind of pushed into a dark corner, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to lose hope. I'm going to lose all hope if I'm not careful. And I need to reach out for God's help, most of all. But some, some people, maybe some in this room, if you got to a really desperate, dark place of despair, maybe even depression, get help. In fact, if, if you get on our, our website, Church Experience, because we, we want to help you in any way we can. And, um, you know, and everyone's situation is different. But if you go on there and you, you scroll down on our website, you'll, you'll see an icon that says Outreaching Causes. If you click on that, the first thing you're going to see is a little button that says Get Help. And if you click on that, it'll explain it to you. But there's a lot of ways that we, we can help you if you're in a spot. And one of, the, one of the big things that we've done is we've partnered with a great Christian counseling center here in our area called Winning at Home. And, and they coach and counsel people through dark times. They, they help people, not just that are going through hard times or hard marriage or whatever it might be. The, 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 they help you find victory in other areas of your life, and it's Christ-centered. And so we have a partnership with them. They give an incredibly discounted rate. If you, if you call them and say, hey, I'm from Church Experience, they'll, they'll knock it down half or a third of what it normally would cost. And, and that's a great blessing. And if you can't afford it on that form, fill that out. We'll, we'll fund it for you. We, we want to help you get help if you're in a really bad spot. But, but when you start to feel that the devil's lying to you and you hear these statements and you get into a dark place, where that eventually leads is hopelessness, doesn't it? Maybe you have someone you care about right now that's going through this. Maybe you've been there. It's when, it's, it's when the dark area of your life starts to encompass all of your life. And you start to feel like my whole life is bad. Everything is bad. It's not going to get better. When you get to a place of hopelessness, sometimes one of the things that we, we find that got us there is we put our hope in the wrong things. Because... There's always hope, right? I mean, God is a God of hope. And if he says in the end, I have nothing but victory for you, I have great things planned for you, in the end, there's this incredible happy ending in the end for those who are in Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's like one of the main themes of Scripture. If you read the Bible, in the end, Jesus wins. There's victory. He conquers. Like, he overcomes. Like, in the end, like, if you're in Christ, there's an incredible ending to our story. And it's an unending ending. It never ends. It, there's no like finish line. It's for all of eternity and it's amazing. There's no more loss, no more pain. So if I feel like there's no hope, if, if I have no hope in my life, that doesn't mean that there's not hope because there is. It means I might have put my hope in the wrong things. Let me explain it this way. So you're, you're meant to be excited, right? There's a lot of things that if this balloon represented your hope, there's a lot of things that kind of fill your hope in life, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that get you excited. It, it might be the potential of a new relationship. Whoa, hey, check that out. Woo. I'll get all excited, you know? It's like this potentially could work out. Maybe, maybe you, you start dating, and then it's like the hope of getting married and having a family. Whoa, I'm excited. It, it might be a career. You know, you're interviewing, and this job is going to be the job or promotion. You've been working there a long time. I'm going to go in. I'm going to ask for a big raise. It's going to change everything. You get excited about this. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. That vacation, I'm going to go home. I'm so excited about that. Oh, man, isn't life good? I'm, I'm going to move into a new apartment next month. I'm going to finally buy a house. There's just so many things that can get me excited. And you know what, that's, that's normal, isn't it? It's normal to get excited about life when things are going good. And, and, and you know what, that excitement can, transi can transition to hopefulness. And hopefulness is a good thing. It's good for you to be hopeful about the things in your life. I'm hopeful that I'll get married. That's, that's optimism. I believe it's going to happen. I hope it's going to happen. I'm excited about it happening. I'll look, I'm looking forward to it. Being hopeful is a really good thing. That's the way God made you. You should be hopeful. And there's a lot of things that can fill your hope. I mean, all different kinds of things can fill your hope. I'll bet you that the thing that's filling your hope right now is different than the person next to you. I'll bet the person behind you has got something they're real excited about, they're hopeful about. I'm hopeful about a lot of things in my life. There's things I'm hopeful for. I hope you have things that you're hopeful for. A lot of things can fill your hope. But the problem is that, that whatever it is that we hope in, in this life, like, it also can let us down. And our hope can be disappointed and deflated, right? Ah, oh, the relationship didn't work out. I didn't get the job. <laughs> I didn't get the promotion. I got fired. <laughs> Big deflation. The vacation was miserable. Right? Like my health went out. Oh, like whatever it is that you're excited about is just, it's just deflated. And, and then all you're left with is a hopelessness. Like, man, I was so hopeful. It filled my hope. But then I'm deflated. I have these like, 
unfulfilled desires, unfulfilled dreams. And that's the problem with putting your hope in the things of the world. So it's not wrong to be hopeful or excited or optimistic about something or wanting something to happen in your life, but there's a a dangerous leap when you go from hopeful to putting your hope in something. When you put your hope in something of this world, that's going to be the thing that's going to change my life. That's going to be the thing that's going to do it. That's going to make me so happy. That's going to fulfill me. That's the accomplishment of all my hopes and dreams if I can just get to that point. If I could just make it in this way, if I could just attain that, then, then. And when you put your hope in the things of this world, you're setting yourself up for a huge letdown. Because I'm telling you, on the authority of God's word, the things of this world cannot permanently fulfill you. See, lots of things can can fill me. Lots of things can fill me. But there's only one thing that can fulfill me, meaning never let me down, never deflate my hope, never disappoint, and that's Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all that you actually hope for. It doesn't mean you won't be disappointed. It doesn't mean you won't go through disappointing times. It just means that Jesus will not let you down. Now, your expectations might get let down because you think by hoping in Jesus, you get whatever and all that. But, But if you keep your hope in Christ, your hope will never be let down. Because in him, he fulfills all that you're looking for. He fulfills every part of you, everything that you desire and want. It it says in the Bible that, that God gives us the desires of our heart. When we satisfy ourselves in him, that's when we find the desires of our heart, that it's not the things of this world, it's actually him that's my desire. So, so my desires are fulfilled as I find them in him. See, a lot of things, I put it this way in your notes, like Jesus, like many things, he fills my hope. Like, like many things fill my hope. But Jesus completely fulfills my hope like no other thing. So go ahead and get hopeful, but understand your hopes can end in being deflated. And they will ultimately because our lives end in death here on earth. But when my hope is in Jesus, in Jesus, then he's the fulfillment of everything that I really hope for. You know, we can hope about a lot of things in life that that don't actually come together. And when things that we want to happen don't happen or things that we have had happen change, that's some of the most difficult things to get through, right? When change is forced on you. Like, change is hard. They say the only person in life who likes change is a baby with a dirty diaper. <laughs> and and I, I think that's pretty close to accurate because rarely, rarely do we want change. Now, sometimes we want to change a pace, a change a schedule, you know, a little variety in our life, but, but, but usually if the change is from outside in, meaning someone else chose the change, like your boss chose the change, or that, that husband or wife in your life, they chose the change, or that friend chose the change, or your health chose the change, or a changing season of life chose the change. When somebody else made me change, I usually resist it, right? In my flesh, we resist it. We don't always like it. And in that, in that changing of life, there's loneliness that can settle in. And if you want to learn how to get better at loss, you got to learn to navigate this. Because loneliness is a big part of life when you're going through loss. You can feel alone. You might be in a crowded room, and there's someone here that's saying, I'm surrounded by people, but nobody gets me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. And to a certain extent, that's true. But what we all understand is we all understand those similar feelings of loss because we all have them. And in this song, Louis Capaldi says, I'm going under. So there's this despair, and he goes on, and he sings, and this time, I feel there's no one to turn to. Do you, you see the loneliness there? I feel like there's no one to turn to. You know, we lived for quite a while up north before we moved down to Florida, and, you know, we got to know a lot of people in our community through, you know, kids' school, through, you know, um, church, through, you know, just friends and neighbors. And so, you know, you can go out and you see people. And, and you know what it's like to go out, like, maybe after a workout, and, and you're all sweaty, but you got to run to the store. You don't really want to see anybody, but you, you, you got to run out to the store. Or, or ladies, maybe you haven't done your makeup for the day or you haven't done your hair and you run out. What do you say as you're going out to the store? I hope I don't 
I hope I don't see somebody I know. I hope I don't see anyone. Why? Because you don't feel like put together. You're like, I don't want to see anybody I know. Well, when we moved to Clearwater to start Church Experience, we didn't know hardly anybody. Like just a, I could count them probably on one hand how many people we knew moving down. And so I just didn't know anybody. And so it was the opposite feeling. Like when I go to the store, I was like, I wish I knew somebody. You know, like I, I wish I would bump into somebody I knew in the community because I didn't, I didn't know anybody. And it's kind of a lonely feeling. And I think that as I've lived here now almost six years, and I'm so thankful for, for God, like there's friends around me now, and I'm a part of a church family, and I've got to know so many people in our church through serving together and living life together. So I, I don't feel that way anymore. But but I remember that feeling when I came down, and, and I've seen that in other people throughout our city and throughout our, our region here in Central Florida over and over again. It's, it's like a pervasive loneliness and like an emptiness that's there. I mean, you, you might feel it today. You might have people that you sense in it, and, and, and especially in those first few years when you live somewhere because, you know, a lot of people in our area have transplanted. It's rare that you meet someone who's like, I've lived here my entire life. Like, it's really rare. And most people, their roots are somewhere else. Their family's somewhere else. The friendships they left, they're entrepreneurial. Maybe they're like seeking out this new adventure. They're maybe coming for pleasure. I want to live on the beach or whatever. But the end of pleasure is loneliness. Because pleasure doesn't fulfill you. And you can go enjoy all these great things in life. But in the end, the creation doesn't fulfill you. It's only the creator that does. And so at the end of pleasure, there's this loneliness. And, and, and this, this song, he's kind of speaking. Maybe this is one of the reasons why it's, it's resonating throughout culture and it's climbing charts. It's not just because it's something that's here in central Florida. I think people feel this throughout life because seasons change. People move. Jobs change. We graduate out of school, and it's not the same as when I lived in the dorm or whatever it is. And, and things just change. And, and you look back and you say, I'm, I'm going through something. And here he says, I feel like there's no one to turn to. I don't have anybody to turn to. And, and, and Martha and Mary, the, their brother lost his health, and they're reaching out to Jesus, and they're saying, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, we're losing hope. Man, our, our hope, we're, we're losing it because Lazarus is dying. Come and save us. There's no one to turn to. We, we need you. And in verse 5, Jesus, this assuring statement that's in Scripture, it says, now Jesus loved. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, so he loved them greatly. And, and, and I think that's so important for me to know when it says that right there in Scripture, that Jesus loved them, and to also see in, in the preceding verses that Lazarus is, is losing. He's losing health. He's going through a bad time, and then eventually he's going to die. And to know that right there between when he's losing something and when he lost something, that right in the middle of that, it says that Jesus loved him. That's so helpful for me to know because when I go through loss, I think, well, Jesus, you must not love me. God, why do you let these horrible things happen to, to people and even good people that you know in your life? And you're like, well, how, how does that work out? God, if you're really there and if you cared, it doesn't make sense that you would allow pain in this world. And I, I don't understand, and, and we can get angry at God. We can get frustrated or disillusioned. We can wander away from our faith if we don't figure this out. Because you're going to go through losses, not just losses of people that you care and love about, but, but other losses in life and other setbacks and the loss of dreams that you have and things that you want that are not going to happen. And see, this is going to happen to all of us. So where do, I, where do I go when I'm in the middle of loss and I don't understand why? And maybe I'm angry at God. And a lot of times when I, if, I, if I get frustrated at God, I, I'm pointing a finger at him, right? I'm, I'm saying, God, why did you? But if we could get really honest which we're not usually willing to do when we're hurting. But if I could just get really honest, that finger is not, God, what did you do? But it's really, what did we do? Isn't it? Because, see, God didn't create a world filled with pain. He didn't create a world that was marked by loss. He created a world of beauty, a paradise on earth, and he put the first two people in it, Adam and Eve, I want you to enjoy, multiply the earth. I've created this beautiful space for you. This is yours. I, I only have a few things I'm asking of you. But what did they do? They said, God, thank you, but no thank you. We're going to enjoy your creation, but instead of honoring the creator and doing it your way, we're going to go do it our way. And from that first act of rebellion, when they stepped outside of God's plan, in the opening pages of Scripture in the Bible, you can see that they said, no thanks, God. And from that moment in time on, the the generation that we're born into, this rebellion against God, it's not unique. From that 
that point in time on, people have been rebelling against God and say, God, thanks for giving me life. It's amazing. You surrounded me in this beautiful world, but, but no thanks. I'm going to go do things my way. But then when we do things our way and sin's brought into this world and there's pain and there's violence and, and, and problems are inflicted upon us from other sins and death is here as a result of sin and there's pain and we say, why God, why did you? The reality is, why did we? And not just somebody out there, why did Adam and Eve run this? Like, we've all had a part in that. We've all brought pain and sin into the world. And so, it's not that, that God was this unloving God that, that caused all this pain for some reason to teach us some hard lessons in life. He allows it to happen, but he does it out of love because in love he hopes that you will see that the result and the fruit of rebellion against God and rejecting of God is pain. And so whenever you turn on the television and you see violence in the world, it's not God, why did you do this? It's, wow, God, we did this. We messed this up. This is not how you meant it to be. And, and it's, and it's this, this word that the Bible talks about, repentance. Pain can lead to repentance. You know, when you hit rock bottom and then you realize that, man, that's not working out. And God allows us to still experience pain in this life. And ultimately, all of us, our, our stories end in death here unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime. We're all terminal in that way. Like, we're going to die. And so God allows that so that we don't get our hope in this world. Well, I'll just do it my own way, and I'll just live forever here in life. Well, I'll just make my own kingdom. It's not about your kingdom. It's, it's about God's kingdom. And if I live for this life, I'm going to be disappointed. My hopes will be deflated. And so God allows pain to happen so we can see, listen, this, this is not what you're living for. And if you do it your own way, it's, it's going to end miserably. So trust in God. Live for him. Follow him. And right in the midst of their pain, Jesus says that he loves them. And he loves you. And here's what's amazing. John 11, if you go further down in verse 8, his uh, followers are gathering around him. They're like, hey, teacher, hey, rabbi. He said, a short while ago, the Jews there, they, uh, you know, where Lazarus is at, they, they tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back? He's going to go back and visit them in their pain, and they say, man, don't do it. That's not smart. They tried to kill you last time you were in that region. And so here's another comforting thing to know when I'm in, in a time of loss or pain and I may, might be tempted to push God away is that Jesus wants to go into your pain with you. He's there with you. So don't push away the one person who wants to be with you in your pain, who won't leave you in your pain, the one who understands your loss and cares about you even in the midst of it. See, not only is he with you in it, but he understands your pain. Why would I think that I can be exempt from pain when my Savior wasn't exempt from pain? If there was anyone who didn't deserve to go through pain in life, it's Jesus because he's the only one among us who never sinned. But Jesus, although he was without sin, he came and willingly went through pain, a horrible execution. They hung him to a cross in a painful way. He died a painful death. They pierced his side. He bled out. I mean, he died in a painful way. And Jesus, the Savior, the King, God himself, who was perfect and without sin, he went through all of that for me. So he went through pain. Why, why would I expect a life where I have no suffering? And say, God, I can't believe you allowed me to go through suffering when he's saying, I'm the one who doesn't deserve to go through suffering, but I purposely went through pain for you so that you would know my love. So, so when I think of pain, I, I had to come back to the fact that God understands that he's with me in it and he loves me enough to experience pain himself so that I would know how much he cares about me. See, Jesus does care about my losses. So don't push God away. Don't push this church away when you go through losses. In fact, when when you go through pain, or when you have a friend that goes through pain, here's the first response. Like if you have a friend at work who's saying, man, I, I was really hoping for this, and you see that they got their hope up, and, and then you, they tell you about how their hope was deflated, man, I, this loss in my life, we broke up. Man, this bad doctor's report. First thing, it should, as a believer, come to your mind. Hey, I'll pray for you, and is there anything I can do to help? I want to help. I want to be Jesus' hands and feet. You don't have to say all that part, but just, I'm here to help. How can I help you? But then, then right after that, after you offer to help and you're there to support and love them, the very next thing you should think is I need to introduce this person to some hope because they're feeling hopeless. This is the exact time they need to understand. Like if any time they're ever going to understand this world's going to let you down and to don't live for the things in this world, it's right now. So as they're going through pain, the first thing, I, I need to invite them to church. I, I need to talk to him about my story. I need to take him out for coffee and tell him about Jesus. Hey, hey, 
I'm so sorry you're going through that. Man, I'm sorry. That stinks, man. I I had some of that in my life, too. I'm so sorry. I'll I'll pray for you. Is there anything I can do to help? No, I'm good. Okay. Hey, you know what? Why don't you come sit with me on Sunday? Man, because I'll tell you, the thing that's changed my life more than anything is Jesus, because he's been hope in my life, and he's changed me. And and just, just come sit with me. Just come sit with me. It's the easiest thing. If you feel comfortable, invite them out to coffee and tell them your story. Uh, unpack the gospel for them if, if you feel comfortable doing that and you understand it. To, to do, man, just, just share. But when people are going through loss, the very thing that they need most is Christ because Jesus is the one thing that will never let them down. Louis Capaldi in his song, he's got two words in there that I, I think uh, have really probably caused this song to be a, a bigger song and, and as far as what it means to people as they're singing it, as, as they're hearing it. He said, it's a feeling of aloneness. He said, I used to. I used to be someone you love. And I think why that's such a big deal is because everybody has loved at some point something, someone. And, and almost everybody, I would contend, everybody knows what it feels like to used to be loved. I used to be important. I used to be in a better spot. Things used to be better. And, and this feeling of past being better than present, it, it can tend to lead people to a dark place of isolation. And if you and I today are trying to bring encouragement into our life by overcoming discouragement, overcoming loss, overcoming pain, we, we got to understand the devil's strategy. The Bible tries to give us clear direction on this. It says, hey, listen, here's how the, here's how the devil operates. He operates like a lion. He's seeking who he may devour. It, it tries to clue us in. He's a liar. It tells us, the Bible says, the devil is the father of all lies. So God's trying to, if you study scripture, he's trying to tell us how the devil operates. We see his story in Genesis, how he came to the first man and woman and deceived them to rebel against God. We see his strategies here, and his strategies haven't changed all these years. He's still doing the same thing. He's still lying to people, right? And one of his things that he does is he isolates he didn't go after Adam and Eve together, did, did he? No, he didn't. One at a time. Why? Because he knows if he can isolate you, then he's got a better chance at victory. And, and one of the things that he will do in your life when you go through loss is he'll get you to isolate yourself and put yourself in a corner. And we'll, we'll, we'll stop taking initiative. What, what will happen is it will withdraw from others and we'll start to say things like, people don't care. People don't get me. Nobody ever invites me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's, you know, being my friend right now. And so we push others away. Nobody understands And what will happen is when you get in the corner, if you allow yourself to get to that place or you see someone you love that's withdrawing, and I've seen it so many times, man, throw them a lifeline. They need you in their life. They might push you away, but they need you, and you need people. Don't withdraw. Get get connected. Get around other believers because the devil's trying to isolate you to to destroy you. So how do you get out of this? How, How do you get out of this downward spiral isolation? Here's what you do. It's in your teaching notes. You flip your focus. You flip your focus. You, you, you flip your focus onto others, onto Jesus first and foremost, and, and onto others. This is why serving is so powerful. Because when I get into a corner and I'm isolating myself and I'm the victim and I'm at home and I'm thinking about how bad my life is, how my dreams didn't work out, how my health's not good, how my family's not good, how my future's not good, how my job's not good. I'm just, it's all about me. I'm not happy. Things are not going good for me. Nobody understands me. It's me, me, me. And that's where the devil wants you because you're self-centered, you're self-focused. That's the core of sin right there. It's a pride, self-centered focus. So you want to flip that. When you start to feel that, that withdrawal, it's just about me and how bad things are for me and nobody understands me and I'm in a bad spot, just flip it. Just flip the focus. One time at the church I was pastoring in Michigan, we had a guy that was running a computer out back and he was trying to do something during the service on the computer and he accidentally hit the wrong button on the iMac and it flipped the screen and it showed his face up on the big screen during service and he's panicking because he sees it. He's like, what button do I hit? It's like it flipped it around. And You know, sometimes that's all you need to do. You just need to flip the script. You, you need to stop, stop focusing. It's me, 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 me. You need to say, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm discouraged. I'm going to go encourage somebody today. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to go lift up somebody else today. I feel sad. I'm going to go be around somebody else who, who's happy. I'm going to go focus on others. Hey, nobody, nobody ever initiates friendship with me. Nobody ever comes up to me. Nobody ever invites me to anything. You go, and, you go lift up somebody else. You go be a friend to somebody else. You go serve somebody. You invite them. See, that'll change, that'll change things if you flip the focus and serve others. John eleven seventeen. 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He was dead. John eleven thirty two says that not only was Lazarus dead, but people were mourning, and they were in a bad place. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet, and she said, Lord, if you had been here, there it is. God, if you could just, the timing would have been different. 
the doctor's report would have been different. It just, it could have been different. Lord, if, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How does Jesus respond? First of all, in love. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. So he cares about her loss. Verse 34, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in scripture, Jesus wept. He wept. He cared. He went with them into their mourning. He loved them. And, and here's the crazy thing to me. I'm trying to understand this. Jesus knew he was going to bring Lazarus back to life. <laughs> like, that should be cause for celebration. He knew what he was about to do. But he cried because of his compassion. It, sa- it says purposefully there in the progression that he saw Mary and Martha. He saw their pain, the family that he cared about. He saw the other people around his community that they were weeping. And Jesus wept. He wept. So he cares when we go through pain. It's not that he's not present. He does care. And when I feel disillusioned, like Louis Capaldi saying it, he says, it's never the same. Now the day bleeds into nightfall. Day is turned to night. I feel like I'm, it's dark. You know, mourning is going to happen. I'm, I'm going to feel mourning before the morning comes. Before the next day comes, his mercies are new every morning. But before I get to the new morning the next day, I'm going to mourn. I'm going to feel sad. And, and Jesus goes with me in that. And that short verse, I think, is important. Jesus wept. Now, he could have wept longer, but all we know is it just gives us this little slice. It seems like he wept, and then, it, and then the story moves on. My kids, whenever I tell them to share a verse with me, especially when they were younger, like, you know, maybe a verse that they memorized, this is like the number one go-to. Jesus wept. I got it, Dad. I got, I got that one down. I got it. And, and it's brief. It's short, but I think that might be almost purposeful. This is my conjecture, but I, th- I think it might be short on purpose. It doesn't give us a lot on it. He, he wept, and then, and then the story moves on. And, and, you know, part of the thing is that I can't stay there. When, when I'm mourning and when things are hard, I, I might never fully get over a loss if it's a hard one. I might always remember it. But, but I don't want to stay there. And I put it in your notes. I will mourn my losses, but, but I can't stay there. I, I, I can't stay there. I'm going to mourn my losses, but I, I can't stay there. There's almost a seductive nature to mourning, to sadness. When, when I feel like I'm a victim, it, it almost draws me in. And I just want to stay there because it's a lot harder for me to get up out of the loss and go find victory. I got to fight for it sometimes. I got to get up and I got to go serve somebody. I got to, I got to choose joy when I feel sad. I got, I got to change some things in my life. I got to move forward. I got to, I got to clean things out and move ahead. I mean, it's, it's not easy. It's much easier to, to stay in sadness and to stay in defeat. And a lot of people live this way their whole life. They're defeated. Hey, how you doing this week? Oh, it's not good. How you doing next week? It's not good. How, how you doing next month? Not good. Next year? Not good. They just live in constant defeat because it's almost easier to stay focused on myself and to stay sad and to stay in mourning. Jesus wept. He mourned, but he didn't stay there. He moved on. He moved forward. Louis Capaldi sings, I guess I kind of like the way you numbed all the pain. It's a lot easier to medicate my pain than deal with it. And I don't know how you might be medicating your pain, but there's a lot of destructive things you can do to just numb the pain and just live in the pain and let it just go on. And it's easier just to live with it sometimes than to deal with it. It doesn't mean that you, you won't remember it, but you need to mourn. As one of my mentors gave me a gift to say about six years ago, he said, mourn and move on. Mourn and move on. Like you can't stay in mourning. This, this world needs Jesus. This world needs hope. This world is a dark place. And if you as a believer stay in mourning the rest of your life and poor me and how horrible my life is, then we're not able to go and live out the mission of Christ and bring hope to the world. It doesn't mean you're not transparent with your woundedness. It doesn't mean that you don't show people your scars. It just means that you don't live forever in mourning. You say, hey, it's, it's bad and it's dark and I'm mourning now, but man, there's hope ahead. And I'm gonna move forward in hope and I'm gonna find Christ. The final part of this story down in John chapter 11 is found over in verse 38. And this is where it gets really exciting. It's the best part of the story. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, he came to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called out 
in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. If he's alive, he was dead. His heart had stopped beating, but now he's alive once again. What you lost has been recovered. What was dead is now made alive. And Jesus looks at him and he says, take his grave clothes off. Stop mourning because life has come. And I think Jesus would look at you today if you're in a season of mourning and loss. And although he'll go with you in your mourning, although he'll be with you in your despair and he'll want to be there to comfort you, I think he'd also want to say to you, hey, come in close. Listen, there's hope. I can bring life where you feel dead. You feel spiritually dead and stuck and you feel like you can't overcome this sin in your life or there's pain and brokenness or loneliness. Don't give up. I'll comfort you in your mourning and I'll mourn with you. But, but listen, there's hope for you. And your hope is not just, well, maybe God will give me my dream back. Maybe God will restore that relationship. He might. And if anyone can, God can. But even if he doesn't, your hope is not in that thing. So don't run back to it. God's purpose isn't to give you back what let you down. His purpose is to give you something better that will never let you down. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. A a close, intimate, personal relationship with him. So I'm going to mourn when I go through pain, but I, I can't stay there. So how do I do this, Brandon? Just give me... How do, I, how do I live this out? Well, Jesus, he wrote the script for you, and it's one verse I purposefully overlooked going through our story, and I want to end this way. It's in John 11, verse 25, and we have it for you up here on the screen. Jesus is talking to these women in the midst of their grief and their mourning, and, and Jesus said to one of the sisters, he says, I am. Everybody say, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So even though you're going to have losses, even though there's pain in your life, you can still actually have life and joy in in Christ. He says, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Your hope will never die because it's in Christ. Do you believe this? And that's the question that you have to answer. Am I really doing this? Or without realizing it, have I bought into the ways of the world and my hope is actually in this thing I'm excited about, this thing that I've, I've got hopeful for? Where is your hope? Is it in Jesus? Is it in him? If you'll put your hope in him, listen, he'll never let you down. Now, he's going to allow your hope to get filled by things in this world, and you're going to have hopeful moments, and you'll have some great, exciting times, but you're also going to have sad and discouraging times. So what's the consistent rock? What's the thing that brings life when I feel like there's death? John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus is. He says, I am. I'm your hope. I'm life. And if you want real life, you got to come to me. The final lyrics of that song I wanted to read that you heard earlier is, is Louis Capaldi says, I, I, I need somebody to heal, somebody to know, somebody to have, somebody to hold. You know why I think this song is so big? Why I think it's climbing charts and it's being sung in the malls and the restaurants and why your, your coworkers are singing it while they're driving on their way to and from work? I think it's because that's the cry of our heart. Like if, if I've ever heard a cry from our culture for God, there it is. I, I need someone to heal. I got brokenness inside. I, I need someone to heal. Someone to know. I want to be known. I, 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 need, I, need to know, I need to know that I matter. I need someone to know. Someone to have. I want to be in relationship. I, I need someone to have. Someone to hold. I, I need to know that I'm cared for and loved. Like that's a, that's a cry. That's a cry from our culture. In the songs that we're singing in our world saying, God, I need you. And they, they haven't all identified it yet. And that's why the importance of the mission of the church is to help people see, man, Jesus is the hope that you're actually looking for. And, and that's, that's the cry of the this, this song of our culture. Like, I, I, want, I want God is what they're saying. It's our job to point them to the hope that's in Christ. I'll close this way. Uh, Jennifer and I were given such a gift this last week. Uh, I knew about it months ago. One of my mentors, Chip Henderson, some of you have heard him preach here at our church back when we were in the school. And uh, Chip uh, invited Jennifer and I out to a a small mentoring gathering out in California that he was hosting. And he invited a few pastors and he said, I just want to pour my life into you, mentor. And and, uh, just such a gift. And not only did he say, I'm inviting you to this, he goes, I'm going to pay for it. So we're going to fly you and Jennifer out. We're going to put you in a hotel. We're going to feed you. And we just want you to come learn and be refreshed. And we're like, 
we love our kids, but we're so excited to get, like, us time. Like, just, we're just, thank you. That's great. And, and I went out there. I learned so much. I'm going to be a better pastor for it. Our marriage was strengthened. We're going to be a better couple for it. It's so good. But something happened on the flight there and back. It was kind of interesting. The, there was a guy that was sitting right next to us. There's, like, three seats on the airplane. And, and, and he had his uh, television monitor, you know, the seat back TVs. He had it on um, a soccer game. And then he had his own tablet up, and he was watching a movie. So he's watching a movie while he's watching a sports game. I'm like, that's like, I don't know why he's doing that, but he's doing it all at the same time. It's pretty impressive. Well, it kind of brought me back to uh, the trip, you know, when uh, another leg of the trip. I was doing some writing on my laptop, and I'm working away, and we're flying. It's like a little over four-hour flight to California. And uh, the guy in front of me, next, uh, next seat over across the aisle, on his seat back, he was watching a movie. And I didn't know what movie it was. I'd never seen it before. But... Every time my eyes needed a break from writing or I needed a moment to think, I would kind of look up and my eyes would just kind of wander over to the screen and I'd watch a little bit and I'd get like a, you know, 30 second or 60 second clip of the movie and I'd think I know what's going on. And then I would like go back to my writing and working and like, you know, 30 minutes later, I'll look up and the movie's in a different place and I watch another minute of it and I'm like, I didn't think that was going to happen. Okay, so I'm watching this like, whatever, I don't even care. I can't even hear it. He's got his earbuds in. It's like, whatever. And so I'm going back and like 30 minutes later, I'm distracted again and like, Oh, okay. Oh, really? I didn't think they'd get together. It's like, I, I didn't even know. I, I'm just like, just processing this a piece at a time. Well, it's over a four-hour flight, so he watches more than one movie. And so I keep doing this, and I'm like, oh, we're in a different movie now. I'm like, I'm so confused. But I just keep seeing this. And I thought, man, God, this is, this is exactly what, what we, our church needs to hear. This is what I need to hear every day. Because I, I, I get little, little pieces of my story. I get little frames of my story. And, and sometimes it's not a good frame. There's loss, there's heartache, and I'm not like, God, how does this piece work with this next piece? Because God, I know you're wanting to work out a happy ending, right? So, so why is it going this way? And God, why is, why is this tanking? Why is this losing? Why is there a loss? And I'm getting little pieces of my story, and I'm saying, God, why? Why is it going this way? Why isn't it better? And sometimes our hearts are breaking because we're so focused on the little frame that we're seeing in our life. And here's the encouragement I want to give you today as we close. I want to remind you that God is the master storyteller. He's the creator that sees all the frames of your life from beginning to end, everywhere in between. God knows your story and he's working all things for the good of those who love him. He's at work in your life and you may not get it, you may not see it when you go through loss, but just trust. Trust and obey. Follow him. Give him your whole heart and believe that God is working out his best that's still yet to come in your life. If you will trust him, if you will lean on him, and if you will not get so focused on that loss that you lose the bigger picture. Because God's at work and he's making a masterpiece in your life. So hold on to hope and make sure your hope is always in Jesus. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.